Welcome to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. Wherever you're listening from, welcome. We pray that the truth from the Word of God speaks to your heart during today's message. Christians, just as a reminder, we don't believe in luck. We are blessed. We are blessed. We don't have good luck, bad luck, none of that. We have blessings from the Lord. God saved us. He bought us with a price. He really doesn't owe us anything, but he loved us so much that he paid our sin debt. And, you know, so when we go through this lesson, here's a question. Who do you want to work for? I'm going to ask my question the same thing. Who do I want to work for women, you know, they wanted to be liberated. And so the way they became liberated was they went into the workforce and worked 40, 50 hours a week. And they were liberated from being at home under their slave husband. And now they just dialed in for 40 or 50 hours under some other guy who's a stranger. And now she's got a, I, I don't get how they were liberated. Uh, I'm not saying I'm, it's not going any deeper than that, but You know, they they get these jobs and they're happy to say to their boss, oh, yes, sir. Yes, sir. I'll do it, sir. But I don't know how that liberates them. But it came down to who did they want to work for? And so that's the tie in to that question. Who do you want to work for? Let's beat up on the men a little bit. Uh, By the way. Well, no reason to go down a rabbit trail in introduction. Men, let's beat up on the men. We work 60 to 90 hours a week for a company. And the company owns us. <laughs> I mean, and Jesus Christ died for our soul. And most men in America have zero time to work for him. <laughs> Well, it's the preacher's job. That's funny. I thought he commanded all Christians to do that. (laughs) Uh, So, again, it begs the question, who do you want to work for? We have this. Now, men, we need to work. You know, God wants us to work and provide. So, you know, don't think I'm trying to say something about that. But we need to be able to labor for the Lord. But. It's who do we want to work for? Who do we want to labor for? First Corinthians 15, verse 58 says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. A lot of the stuff we do down here, it is it is vain. If we were to try to strip away all the vain stuff, we might be surprised. There seems to be this rise in minimalism. You ever see that? This minimalistic approach to life. There's something to that. I'm not saying you're more saved or more right or more spiritual if you do that or don't do that. I'm not going down that road. I'm not saying it's a sin for a woman to have a job. I'm not saying it's a sin for a man to work hard. I'm not going there at all. The only point I'm trying to draw out is who do we want to work for? Do we want to labor for God and do we want to work for God? That's our question. Now, I want you to get 1 Timothy 1, Philippians 2, and 2 Corinthians. 
1 Timothy 1, 2 Corinthians, and Philippians 2. Let's do 1 Timothy 1 first. 1 Timothy 1. The Bible says, And I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who hath enabled me, for that he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. Who enabled Paul under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit? Who enabled Timothy? God did. Who enables you? Who enables me? It says, who hath, who hath enabled me? Christ enables us. Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2, verse number 13. Philippians chapter 2, verse 13, it says, For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Drawing out some key themes. First Timothy, Christ enabled me. Christ counted me faithful. Christ put me in the ministry. Philippians 2, God worketh in you to will and to do of his good pleasure. And now 2 Corinthians 9, 2 Corinthians chapter number 9, verse number 8. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you that you always have an all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. God is able. God worketh in you. Christ hath enabled me. He counted me faithful. You don't have to do the work. I don't have to do the work. All we have to do is show up and allow God to use us. We think that we work for the Lord and we've got to enable ourselves. God will enable us. We think we have to do something special in our own power. God will work in you. God will make a way for you to be able to do it. All we have to do is show up and say, Lord, I'm willing to be used. He'll enable you. God is able and all the other stuff that we read about. All we have to do is present your bodies, a living sacrifice. Is that what it says, the Bible? Present your body. You know what that means? Ta-da! Just present yourself. And God will enable you. I just don't know what to say. God will enable you. Door knocking is probably one of the most intimidating types of public ministry. I would dare say open air preaching is probably a little easier in the sense that you get to lift your voice, but you're not really talking to someone individually. You're talking to a group collectively. So in that sense, it's a little easier and you're not on somebody's property. Door knocking is pretty intimidating. You have to go on someone's private property. You have to knock on their door and you're not saying trick or treat. <laughs> you're saying I want to tell you that you're a sinner on your way to hell. I mean, what? It, it's not an easy thing to do. It's one of the most intimidating things you can ask a Christian to do. How am I going to do that? Just present your body and God will show up. He'll enable you in some way. I don't know what to say. Either did I when I first started. Either did I and some of the questions I was asked today. You ever get to that point where you got your head so knee deep in one subject that you forget about stuff that you learned five years ago? 
So I tell him, well, I'll have to get back to you on that. I said, I, I don't have an answer. But anyway, God will enable you. It's us presenting ourselves and allowing God to use us. And it's not in vain. He shows up. You show up. He does the work. And here's the topic of the message. And then he gives you a reward for that. You don't do anything. You don't write the script. You don't write the Bible. All you do is present your body. Say, I'm willing to be used by you, Lord. He'll enable you. How's he do that? Well, through his word, through other Christian fellowship, all types of ways. And then he's going to reward you. And he's doing all the work. But yes, you are being used by him. Now, let's look at quickly to get on to these crowns. The first one I want you to note down is the crown of rejoicing. Uh, go over to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. The crown of rejoicing, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. We're going to expand this message since we're in the book of Thessalonians, and we're going to cover all these crowns tonight. Have you played some part in winning someone to the Lord Jesus Christ? This crown of rejoicing. We're all going to stand at the judgment seat. We're going to see, receive rewards. For things we did that had eternal value. First Thessalonians 2 verse 19. For what is our hope or joy or crown. There it is of rejoicing. Are not even ye in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming. But this crown of rejoicing. We talked about it preached on it last week. But playing a part in winning someone the Lord Jesus Christ. Alright so let's move on to the incorruptible crown. Turn in your Bible to 1 Corinthians chapter number 9. We have an incorruptible crown. Let's start reading in verse 24. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse number 24. Good to take notes on these so you can refer back to them, but there's crowns and we're on the incorruptible. And it says, Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize. So run that you may obtain. Any of you boys ever get in line for the race? And you just are thinking, yeah, I'm going to let all the other boys win. <laughs> nope. You're running to obtain. <laughs> you want to be the first boy or the first girl to cross the line, right? Well, so run that you may obtain. And every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Temperate. You're calm. You're cool. You're collected. Your temperature doesn't rise in the sense that you don't get a few degrees hotter than you should be and full of anger and rage and have a violent temper and your passions control. You know, you're temperate. We should all be temperate. It says temperate in all things. What does that mean? Well, pleasures of life don't get you overexcited. Pleasing God gets you overly excited. You see the difference? Temperate. In all things, now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. How many of you boys and girls have ever won a prize? A ribbon, a medal, 
a trophy, right? We've, we've won those things. A certificate. Have you won those types of things? You've obtained the prize and you've won. Well, that's considered a corruptible ribbon, medal, trophy, certificate, crown. It's corruptible. What does that mean? It corrupts. It will fade away. It's not going to last forever. But we as Christians to obtain incorruptible. You see the difference? After soul winning, no one's getting a crown physically on their head because we are trying to do something that has eternal purpose. We're not doing it for a corruptible crown. We don't go, okay, let's stop, pause, and park here. Because as I'm going through this, I'm thinking of somebody right now in my mind. You don't know who he, who this person is. They're not from this town or this state. Great personality. Great with just about everybody that he would come in contact with. Would go witnessing all the time. Every Friday night he was out. And But after witnessing, his feet would take him to places that he ought not go. That's not being temperate in all things. You don't want to be the guy that's witnessing Friday afternoon and you end up in the bar on Friday night. The Bible says how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of feet of peace. Make sure those feet. <laughs> we're going to preach feet. Make sure those feet go to the right places after you're done. Walking to someone's door, telling them about Jesus Christ. We need to be temperate in all things. Don't allow this world. It's just full of filth. There's filthy music. There's filthy dress. There's filthy language. Filthy jokes. You gotta go like this when you hear that stuff. And if you can't, and I'm not saying physically, I mean, you guys gotta tune it out. It's the world is full of unclean things, unclean movies and, and all types of things. Bible says, for God has not called us unto uncleanness, but unto holiness. And God will reward you. Let's keep reading. I therefore so run, not, well, let me go back on verse 24. I want to read this again. 1 Corinthians 9. Know ye not. That they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize, so run that he may obtain. And every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown. We do it an incorruptible. I therefore so run, not as uncertainty, so fight I, not as one that beateth the air, but I keep under my body and bring it into subjection. Lest by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. Boys, pay attention. All of us should pay attention. We need to keep our bodies under subjection. And if you can overcome the fleshly lusts of this world and keep your body under subjection, God says, I've got a crown for you, and it's called an incorruptible crown. Keep your body temperate and under subjection. 
How do I do that? Well, when you're done telling someone about Jesus on Friday, don't end up at hooligans on Friday night. When you're having a Christian fellowship or sharing a, a breakfast Saturday morning with some Christian friends, don't end up on a place where you ought not be looking at something that ought not fall upon Christian eyes. God says that's unclean, unholy, filthy, and dirty. Keep your body under subjection. Be temperate in all things. That's the incorruptible crown. Second Timothy chapter four. Let's talk about the crown of righteousness. Second Timothy chapter number four. Let's start reading at verse number six. For I am now ready to be offered and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge shall give me at that day. And not only and not to me only, but unto all them also that love, love. His appearing. People want to talk about God is love. God is love. God is love. Do you love his appearing? If you do, God has a crown of righteousness for you. Now, there's a difference between believing he's going to come. And loving his appearance. There's a difference between being ready. For him to come and loving his appearance. There's a difference between wanting to escape this world's trials and troubles and tribulations and sufferings and actually loving his appearance. Many a man go to work every morning. And the wife knows and believes with all her heart that he's going to walk through that door at 515. But she does not love his appearing. <laughs> There's many a women, many a wives. They are ready. They're ready for the old man to come home. They're ready. They know he's coming, but they do not love his appearing. They're ready to escape trials and sufferings and all this stuff for him to go or come. But she don't love his appearing. And I'm just telling you, in the same way, we should love the appearing of our Lord. People do this in all areas of life. If you run a company, you know this. If you've worked for a company that, has, uh, that just puts the hammer down on you and just real mean, you know you're coming. You know the boss is coming, but you don't love his appearing. <clears throat> we should love the appearing. Um, it's it's like with this incorruptible crown keep your body under subjection you can know this you can know things in Amos it talks about uh, hating evil and loving the good what do we love do we just know we should keep our bodies under subjection and do we just know we shouldn't walk into the bar and drink? There's a big difference. 
between a man walking by a bar and knowing he shouldn't go in there because somebody might see him and he's a Christian, but his heart longs to drink. And there's a difference from a man walking by that bar looking in there and say, you know what? I just hate the smell of liquor. I don't even want to touch it. It's what do you love? What do you hate? Hate the evil and love what is good. That's what, I mean, that really puts it in perspective. You know how many kids have been told throughout the ages, I don't want you listening to that music. It's filthy. It's dirty. It has bad language. It has a, a vile message that's distorted about love. You know how many teenagers have to put the stuff down when they're at home? But they just can't wait to get out and in the car and put those earbuds in and listen to all that stuff. There's a difference between not doing it, but still longing for it. Do we love the appearing of the Lord? We do. God's got a crown of righteousness. Crown of glory. First Peter. First Peter chapter number five. First Peter chapter number five. <clears throat> Verse number one, the elders which are among you, I exhort, who am also an elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, but also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. Now, here it is. Feed the flock of God, <coughs> which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind, neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being ensembles to the flock. And when the sh chief shepherd shall appear, ye shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. The preacher has to ask himself, the church leader has to ask himself, are you doing it for filthy lucre? Are you doing it for worldly gain? Fred Price is, Creflo Dollar is, Benny Hinn is, all these phony baloney fakers are. Galatians chapter number one. Let's let's go back there and, and get that. Why are you doing what you're doing? These are heart matters and they're easy to fake. If you've noticed each one of these crowns, you can fake it. God reveals our heart. Loving is appearing, not just knowing the doctrine that he will appear. Do you love it? He has a reward for that. Many a man step in the pulpit that won't receive a crown of glory. Many Christians that want to teach God's word won't receive a crown of glory. Why? They're doing it for filthy lucre's sake. They're doing it for a wrong reason. God's concerned about your heart. Galatians chapter 1, look at verse 6. I marvel. That you are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another. But there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. But though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you, and that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. As I said before, so I say now again, if any man preach another gospel, any other gospel unto you, 
and that you have received, let him be accursed. We already taught on this because we've been going through Galatians. Strong language. If you're going to teach the word of God, you better make sure it's the right gospel. You're going to be accursed if it isn't. Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures. The gospel brings it all together of why we do what we do. First Peter chapter five talks about this crown of glory. Can we look at verse number two? What does it say? Feed the flock of God, comma, taking the oversight. It doesn't say that, does it? It says, feed the flock of God, which is among you. So that means the preacher is part of the flock, isn't he? That means the preacher should be among the other sheep, doesn't it? So where do we get this idea of the Baptist Pope and the man of God that's above everybody? And he can't be among the people. We don't get it from the Bible. We get it from franchised religion. We get it from all that. We don't get it from the Bible. The pastor has the gift of teaching. He exercises that gift. Certainly we see that in the Bible. The pastor certainly leads. I mean, that's obvious. But he is to be among, not over. But, but doesn't the Bible say, look at it again, taking the oversight thereof, Okay, comma, not by constraint. He has to oversee. There is oversight involved, but that oversight has been, how will you say, twisted when he is not among the people. And he's just above the people. If he's among the people, it's a lot easier. If he sees himself as part of the flock, it's a lot easier. You can oversee, and it's not by constraint trying to lord over. It's willingly, and it's not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind, neither is being lords over God's heritage. It's God's, but being in samples to the flock. Now, that's tough to do. And when the chief shepherd shall appear, ye shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. That's pretty rough. If you think about what the call is. You want to be an, an example to somebody? I just think about people following me around all week. I mean, how, 
how good of an example can I be 24 <laughs> seven? You think about somebody following you around all week. There's going to be something in your life. There's going to be something in my life where we're going to say, wow. But nonetheless, God wants us to be an example, especially leaders. They need to be. They have to be. That's the call. You need to be of a ready mind. When the chief shepherd shall appear, you shall receive a crown of glory. All right. So we got crown of righteousness. We got crown of glory. We have the crown of life. Crown of life. Let's get Revelation and James. We're going to go to Revelation 2, James 1. James 1, 12. Crown of life, James 1, 12. Blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. There's that love again. And now let's go over to Revelation chapter 2, verse number 10. Revelation 2, 10. The Bible says, fear none of the, those things which thou shalt suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison, that ye may be tried, and ye shall have tribulation ten days. Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee a crown of life. This, is, this crown of life is, many say it's the martyr's crown. And look at what it says. I want to point something out here. Be thou faithful unto death. You know, some uh, modern versions, especially the New American Standard Bible says, be faithful until death. It takes away the emphasis that until of the fact that this it's, it's a martyr. You're faithful unto death. It's not you live your life. It's. You're going to be unto death. You're going to be killed for your faith. Be faithful unto death. They're coming after you. They're going to kill you. They're going to many, many Christians have been faithful unto death. It's the martyr's crown. What will you do if you're standing? The crossroad is today. Die or deny. I know what I hope I would say. Die. Right now, you're at that crossroad. Die or deny. You know what the spiritual answer is, but can we do it? I don't know. Why not? I've not been at that crossroad. Neither, I guess, have you. All right, we're going to wrap up. You cannot lose your salvation. But dear Christian friend, there is something you can lose. Crowns, rewards. You'll never lose your salvation. You're eternally secure. Christ paid it all. But you can lose a reward. The Bible says in Revelation 3, turn over there. Revelation 3, behold. Verse number 11, Revelation 3:11. I come quickly. Hold that fast which thou hast. That no man take thy crown. You can lose rewards. 
Now, I want to point something out here. Look at Revelation chapter 4. By the way, Revelation 1, we see the church on earth. Revelation chapter 2, we see the church on earth. Revelation chapter 3, we see the church on earth. Now, watch how it's in Revelation chapter 4. After this, I looked, and behold, a door was opened in heaven, and the first voice which I heard was as it were of a trumpet talking with me, which said, Come up hither, and I will show thee things which must be hereafter. And immediately I was in the spirit. Behold, a throne was set in heaven, and one sat on the throne. Come up hither. There's the church. Call it up to heaven. Now watch it. Verse number three. And he that sat was to look upon like a jasper and a sardin stone. And there was a rainbow round about the throne in sight like unto an emerald. Verse four. And round about the throne were four and twenty seats. And upon the seats I saw four and twenty elders sitting clothed in white raiment. And they had on their heads crowns of gold. It's church members receiving crowns. Watch this. Let's start reading at verse number five. And out of the throne proceeded lightnings and thunderings and voices. And there were seven lamps of fire burning before the throne, which are the, which are the seven spirits of God. And before the throne, there was a sea of glass like unto crystal. In the midst of the throne, around about the throne, were four beasts full of eyes before and behind. The first beast was like a lion, and the second beast like a calf. The third beast had a face as, of a, as a man. The fourth beast was like a flying eagle, and the four beasts had each of them six winds about him, and were and they were full of eyes within. And they rest, not day and night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was and is. And is to come. And when those beasts give glory and honor and thanks to him that sat on the throne who liveth forever and ever. And here it is. The four and twenty elders fall down before him that sat on the throne and worship him that liveth forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne. We're going to cast them at the feet of Jesus. Not only do we just have to present ourselves and God will enable us. All we have to do is be willing to be used for him. He's given us the script. We have the truth. We don't have to make anything up. All we have to do is say, Lord, enable me. We show up. God does the work through us. Not only does he reward us for that, but when we get to heaven and we get that crown, it is going to be holy, holy, holy. We are going to cast the crowns that were given to us at the feet of Jesus Christ. Praise God. And here's what we're going to say. Verse 11. Saying, thou art worthy, O Lord. To receive glory and honor and power. For thou hast created all things. And for thy pleasure. They are and were created. Why do we witness? Because he is worthy. And when he gives us a crown. For him doing the work. 
we're going to cast it right at the feet of Jesus Christ and say, how hard work it. And here's the best part. Revelation 19. Revelation 19, verse number 12. The Bible says, His eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. And he had a name written that no man knew, but he himself. And it, the Bible says that on his head were many crowns. When Jesus returns again with his church at his second coming, he might just be wearing the crown that he gave you and you cast back at his feet. He's going to be coming back wearing many crowns. We serve him because we want to labor and work for him. How do we do that? All we got to do is present ourselves and show up and he'll enable us. And then after it's all said and done, he's going to give us a reward for the work that he did through us anyway. And we're going to be so thankful and grateful that we're going to cast it right at his feet. And we're going to say, thou art worthy, thou art worthy, thou art worthy. When he comes back and he brings his church to the second coming, the second of his kingdom. Um, what man, how overjoyed would a saint be to look and say, that's the, that's the one he gave me. And I cast it at his feet. It's a savior. It's worth serving. He has all the work. We have no work. I'm just grateful to be in on it. Thank you for listening to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. We look forward to seeing you in the next episode. In the meantime, you can sign up for our email newsletter at www.pilgrimbaptist.church.